Good morning. Welcome again. I know you've already been welcome once. My name is Jim Rowan, and uh, I'm speaking today because I'm the token Irishman on staff. So I hope you're wearing green. I love this opening, We Are Better Together, because it's literally hundreds of pictures of y'all coming together to form one iconic emblem, that of Central Baptist Church. And the neat thing about that, I wonder, is how many of those pictures would need to be gone before we didn't recognize it as Central's cross? Ten percent would probably still know what it was. Twenty, thirty, fifty percent of half the pictures were gone. We probably couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. And in the book of Ephesians, verse four, chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one body. He continues to write through all his letters that the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are just one body, all of us together. And it takes the body to do anything. We've had some great sermons here over the last few weeks about um, loving one another, supporting one another, coming together, whether it's in small groups or, or however that may be, midweek groups, whatever it's going to be. But, but it's about us coming together in this mosaic of life, doing life together, loving one another well, supporting each other through the hard times. So I went and... Uh, God love Google. God love software. So I went and I Googled, uh, or Bible software, um, everyone. It's everyone. So in the NIV version, there are 262 uses of the word everyone in the Bible. So I read them. My favorite was in Acts 2.21, and you all know this. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. God gives us promises. But that didn't really hit what I was looking for, so I went ahead and did all. There are 4,269 uses of the word all in the NIV. I did not read them all. Instead, I started over and just did the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, there's 143 uses of the word all. I did read all of those. And my favorite was still in Acts 2. It said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. You may call me a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Um, I know, I know. You might have heard that song before. I didn't write it. We've been speaking of love, and, uh, you know, love is the question, love is the answer. It really is all about love. Um, and I just wanted to say, Alan mentioned this last week, it was great, that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of love. You need to say that to yourself in your head. I am worthy of love. Because a lot of people, you know, we get saved, but we still live with guilt or shame or remorse. And a lot of people feel unworthy. But you are worthy of love. You are so worthy that God honored you by allowing Himself to be placed on a cross. You know, we're coming up on Easter. We're in Lent right now if you're 
a good Irish Catholic, you'd be at church. You'd know that. You'd be at the at a different church. But we're approaching the time, the celebration, the memory of what Christ did for us on the cross. I uh, pulled a verse, and we've had this great um, expository teaching. People, these guys have been taking a chunk of the scriptures and explaining it to you, what it means, and and how that relates to our life today. And I'm not doing that. I'm just kind of doing a, a state of the missions report because that's my job here. I am blessed indeed uh, to be your missions pastor. So I want to use this verse today. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Let's, let's get it right, right now. This is the end. Let us settle this matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. It says in the Bible that you'll be separated from your sin as far as the east is from the west. We're done with it. It's no longer you. And so we've all come to that, or if we've all come to that place of repentance, we've laid down that path. And we've moved beyond that, hopefully. If you've committed a sin, you are forgiven. But I also want to say, if you've been harmed, that you don't have to carry that guilt or shame. There's a a great song called At the Cross. I love this old, well, that's not that old probably, but it is to me. Um, At the Cross, and and the line is, um, and the wrongs we have done and the wrongs done to us are nailed there with him. There is the cross. The wrongs done to us. We have a God who doesn't want us to live in shame. He doesn't want us to live in guilt and remorse. He wants us to live in joy and in freedom. And so we do. We lay things down, but if you're like me, sometimes you pick it back up from the altar. And that's just a trick of the enemy. That's a lie of the enemy. He just doesn't want you to be a conqueror, an overcomer. And we have a testimony of what we've overcome and what we've done. But God doesn't want us to live in a victim mentality. He wants us to move on. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't take that back on yourself again. And too many times we do. And when I say we, I mean me. I do. I do. We need to walk in the freedom that God has given us because it is all about love. And it starts way back in the beginning in Deuteronomy. Famous verse, the Shema, starts in Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul. And I said that out of order. I'm not reading it. Love God. In fact, Jesus quoted that when he was being um, entrapped, was the idea, by the lawyers in Matthew 22. He, they're asking him what's the most important commandment. And he answered in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. The law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament is just there. Love God, love others. It's so simple. It's so simple, but we want to make it so difficult. You see, we have been dropped. When you became a believer, you were dropped in this continuum, this this river of time that goes from creation, the beginning back in Genesis, all the way through the prophets, the law, the songs, all the proverbs and wisdom, and then Jesus comes as the fulfillment of our redemption. Then we have part of the Bible that's called the book of Acts, which is, which is how people dealt with what Jesus told them to do after he had gone. It's the development of the early church. And then we have this huge blank that goes all the way to the book of Revelations. And Revelations talks about the end times and what, what will happen then. That's called eschatology. But in the middle, there's this huge blank. And that's where you and I fit in. We actually drop into this story, this story of God's glory, somewhere after the end of Acts and Paul's letters of instruction, yet before the end times. We're here. And what are we doing with it? I often often think of uh, people like Samson who had the who had the Holy Spirit come upon him for for a very short period of time, and he was able to pull down a pagan temple. And yet when we became believers, we were given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And I wonder what we're doing with that most of the time. Again, when I say we, I mean me. What am I doing with that? Christianity has no spectator section. There's no bleachers. Everyone's actively in the game. We're all involved in this river of time. We're all involved in this story of God's glory. And we're moving forward. I think in Hebrews 12.1 it says, For we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. So there are spectators, but they're not here and they're not alive, but they're watching. And I wonder if sometimes they're not saying, Jim, what are you doing with that Holy Spirit, I had it like for such a little bit, and we accomplished so much. And you have, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Well, God gave us the commandment, the great commandment love God, love others. But He also gave us a great commission co for together, a mission together, a commission, a charge, what we're supposed to do. And that commission is found in Matthew uh, 28. A lot of people do 19 and 20. I like to start in 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's a promise there that God will be with us. There's a promise that there's a charge. There's something we're supposed to do. And that thing we're supposed to do is called missions. And missions, the way I see it, breaks down into into three parts. Uh, One is prayer. One is giving of our resources. And one is going. Let me just say, Central, you are doing a phenomenal job. 
believe it or not. You are well respected around the world for what you're doing. The first part is praying, and we are better together in prayer. When we can add our prayers to our brothers and sisters, when we can help meet their need, when we can invite the Holy Spirit to participate in our lives, lift up people's arms like Moses in the desert, when we can help those just through prayer. We started a deal a couple of years ago where we wanted to partner our ABF classes and our small groups with different missionaries in different parts of the world. And we did. We have a ladies' class of seasoned citizens that meets in the conference room on the third floor every week. Um, these ladies are probably in their late 40s or older. And um, <clears throat> they pray weekly for a family called the Everleys. They've adopted this family. The Everleys are in Niger, north central Africa. Now, these ladies will probably never go to Niger. And many of them had probably never heard of Niger before they met the Everleys. Talk, Chuck Bridge told me, one of our elders this week, that we have 49 different ministries and organizations that Central helps to support. And each one of those represents people. And people have spouses and children and birthdays and anniversaries. And there is no way I'm going to be able to send birthday cards and anniversary cards. All these hundreds of people, it's just not going to happen. That's not who I am. But the ladies on the third floor, they don't miss a birthday. They're touching this family's lives. They're investing their energy and their prayers into this family. And when they visited the States on furlough this summer, they came here to sit down and have a meal with these ladies to pray for them. It's very interesting. I asked the ladies, um, we asked them what impact supporting the missionaries had on their life and on their walk. And, and I got some, there's some neat replies here. Supporting missionaries with my small financial contributions blesses me. I was given a better view of the world and struggles of other believers. I would not have access to other words. Otherwise, being able to support the Everly family is a connection to a missionary family serving in a country that I will most likely never visit. To be able to stay in touch by email and receive regular correspondence from them regarding the work they are doing and knowing I have been able to pray for specific needs is a blessing to me. So these people are inv investing their time and their prayers in reaching the world for God's kingdom. Probably you and I are never going to go there. In fact, I think the days of the Lone Ranger on his big horse riding in and saving the developing world for Jesus are long gone. See, I think that's all become too expensive. And, and it's a dream or, or, or an idea we have now that we can go out there and, and conquer the world and lead the world to Christ. In fact, it's probably going to be people in a similar or in a close people group who are already building relationships through trade, through farming, through however they are, that speak a common language. Maybe maybe it's those people over in the next valley or up on top of the mountain or, or down by the river. 
And it's going to be those groups who can reach the closest people's groups because they have so much in common. You know, we can travel, and we do, and go around the world, and I'm a fat old white guy with a guitar. I can draw a crowd. I mean, I can draw a big crowd in some places. But I can't disciple. I will not be there. And Jesus said, didn't, didn't say go and, and uh, have all these people pray a prayer. He said, go and make disciples. And that's a process, not an event. And so if I go somewhere for an event, that's not meeting what he's saying. The process has to take place. And it's going to take indigenous people. It's going to take people in the next people group to be able to do that, to build those long-term relations and lead lead people into a maturity in their Christian walk. Praying together has great impact. And it's it's difficult to say, sitting here right now, I know a lot of prayers are going up for baby Ryan. And, uh, and you know, I don't have a bunch of answers. I, I have been told that just because I don't understand something doesn't mean it's wrong. I don't know. But I do know that Prayer works, and people tell us that prayer works. And our Father wants to bless our, His children. He wants to bless lives. And I do think that a bunch of us, many of us, praying together in a directed, in a directed stream somehow does make a difference. I really believe it does. So that's the prayer part. And then there's giving. And Central, you've been very generous in your giving. In fact, this church tithes. 10% of everything it receives into the mission field. And that's how we support so many ministries and so many missionaries worldwide. And y'all do some neat stuff. Um, I don't think most people are aware of it. Um, last year here at the November, I think I was um, over in India where we were putting some wells together. And I think it was, before, that was last March. Uh, drilling wells for clean water. Clean water is a huge deal. And I'll tell you the truth, I take it for granted. I take it for granted. There's times I've forgotten left the sprinkler on too long, just wasting water. Yet there are people struggling every day, every day, to get clean water in this world. So we do. We were supporting organizations drilling wells in India. An organization drilling wells in Sierra Leone on the, on the west coast, the gold coast of Africa, during the Ebola outbreak. Nobody got sick. And they delivered clean water to many villages. In fact, we even this year sent money to the Baptist Global Relief as, a, as an emergency relief organization that will go when there's major disasters worldwide. We gave them the funds to drill two more wells whenever the next disaster hits, whether that's an earthquake or an avalanche or who knows. But Baptist Global Relief will go in and, and they have the funding now to drill two wells in your name. Central supports orphanages in Kenya, in Romania, disabled kids in Romania. These And I say kids, these kids are in their 30s, but they're never going to be able to take care of themselves. They're either physically or mentally handicapped. They're never going to be able to live without being supported by you and by me. And you do this. You are investing your dollars there. We help support a hospital in Haiti. Everybody always says, Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. In fact, it is. 
It is. And, and the hospital that you're supporting there is, is now the number one rated maternity hospital in that country. And that's kind of a miracle. Um, people don't have children in hospitals there. They only see what we would call problem birth cases. They don't. If you're going to have a, reg- a regular birth, you just have it at home or in your village. You don't, you don't go to the hospital for that. You know, when I started going to Haiti in 1997, the life expectancy was 42 because of the high infant mortality rate. And we've done things, Central has done things, like helping to equip this hospital, helping to drill clean water wells, to deliver filters so people could have um, filtered water. And the life expectancy now is 58, the significant difference. When we first started going to Haiti, people didn't name their babies until they were their second birthday because so many of the babies passed away young. Because of, because of some things like the construction we've done, we've been able to tap into the World Health Organization for prenatal vitamins for folic acid. We've been able to have the Gates Foundation provide anti-malarial drugs for free to everyone. So even just starting a work as it begins to grow, there's more and more. It gets better and better all the time. It's kind of a big deal down there. This morning about 3.30, we had two families, the Alessis and the Wins, headed to the airport for a 5.30 flight. To Miami, they're going to Honduras today. They're going to Honduras to take a picture of a well that's being drilled right now. I had put it up on Facebook earlier this week. The ministry is um, a girls' ranch. It's young ladies who've been taken out of their home by the Honduran government because of abuse in the home, and they're placed with this on this 80-acre farm run by a lady from Georgia. They are on the farm, and uh, as they get older, they begin to go to school, and they're going to school, and the kids at school are saying, hey, could you bring a a gallon of water? Because your water is clear, and ours is muddy and dirty. So these kids started taking water every day, a gallon of water to school, and the ministry got a hold of us and said, we're having a problem here. There's no clean water for this village. And a well's about $10,000. Can you help us? And so what you did is you pledged to match $5,000 in donations. It took about three months to raise the money. And then when they raised the 5000 Central sent 5000 There was the ten, and they're down there actually drilling the well right now. I mean today. Right now it's happening. And hopefully next week or the week after we'll have a picture of the completed well to put up on the screen. This is just another another thing that you're doing. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, international students. We're heavily involved with international students. Here in the Austin area, up in Colorado, uh, we have um, a family in Sydney, Australia, that's working with international students coming out of South Asia. We have a help support a family in Taipei, Taiwan, that's working with international students coming out of East Asia. And a lot of these students are in countries where the gospel isn't shared and isn't allowed to be shared. Yet they come to a university with the idea of learning. They're opening their minds to learn. And there are people 
speaking truth into those lives. And some of these kids uh, become strong Christians and they go back to their home as missionaries, places that we could never go. Yeah, there was a time even 10 years ago, it was very easy to get visas to a lot of places. But worldwide, there's this huge nationalistic movement now where where even in India, they're saying, okay, we're India, we're a Hindu country. All you Christians go away. Same thing's happening in Nepal. Things are happening in Indonesia. I mean, different parts of the world where it used to be very open for Christians to go in and share the gospel. It's not so open anymore. It's getting harder and harder. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from David Platt wrote Radical. Probably a bunch of you all read that. When he was the president of the International Mission Board, he said to a group of graduating missionaries, he said, all the easy places are gone. There's no more easy places to go to. There's only hard places left to go and share the gospel. We don't need any more missionaries to Hawaii. I'm sorry. I know it's a long line. Everybody wants to go. But there's some difficult places that still need to hear the gospel. And I don't think we're going to go there and do that. But I think we can help empower local people to do that. So what we're doing is partnering in closed countries with different organizations to help teach networks of pastors and home church pastors. I was in um, India last month with a set up through the International Mission Board, the IMB, working with Voice of the Martyrs in a place called Assam. The Assamese pastoral network has been given to Central for us to teach a program called Foundations that is like a seminary training, but it's orality-based because a lot of these pastors can't read and write. But they've heard about Jesus and they love Jesus. They've accepted Him. And now they want to be disciples and they want to disciple others. There were 15 people in the class I was teaching and uh, that represented 51 different home churches throughout Assam. Now when you think of India on the map, you think of this chunk sticking down into the Indian Ocean. But if you look closely, you'll see there's a piece that goes all the way over to the Chinese border. And that's Assam. In fact, the people look more... East Asian and South Asian there. Just a diff- different genetic mix. But they're hungry for the gospel. But I don't think we're going to be there to share it. I don't speak Assamese. Just don't have it. But I think we can help equip people. I think we can help equip them to train their house church leaders who will invite more people into their house churches. There's a huge movement worldwide with house churches, and you're part of it. You're doing this. It's pretty cool stuff. It really is. And then we have a lot. We have missionaries we support in closed countries. I can't even tell you the name of some of the countries because it's very dangerous for them. We have people in North Africa, in the Middle East, just all over. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, a lot of times if, when they're in town, they'll come speak to us upstairs on a Wednesday evening at prayer and praise. It's pretty good fun just to hear it. So getting together, we are much better together because I could never support these 49 missionaries and ministries that Central is supporting through your gifts. So we're better together praying. We're better together giving 
We're actually better together going. So let me tell you about how I got involved in missions. I went on a I went on a short term team to Haiti, my first team, a city called Desalines. I was invited to go because uh, I play guitar and sing, and um, went there and it was good. We were doing this evangelical crusade at night, a lot of people, and and the people I was with were uh, very devout prayers, and they would pray six hours straight. I cannot pray six hours straight. It's hard for me to stay on task six minutes straight. My mind is like a Mexican jumping bean. I am all over everything, and uh, it's very difficult. And so the first day I was suffering, but I found something I could do. Actually, the generator was having some issues with the fuel system, fuel line, dirty water catch, and and so I said, I need to get down and work on the. So I left where everyone's praying. I know, pretty spiritual, right? And I went down to uh, to an, another property and fixed the diesel generator and just some minor maintenance, 20, 30 minutes, not much. And so I was ready to go back where everybody's going to be praying for another four or five hours, not looking forward to that at all. And I said to the missionary, what's that big box there on the carport? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> People send us all sorts of stuff. So, well, can I look at it? He said, yeah, yeah, do whatever you want. So I opened it up, and it was a solar-powered refrigerator. So I took the panel up on the roof and set it and ran the wires down. Then I rolled the refrigerator into the kitchen and had batteries. I put the batteries, hooked them up in series, and got it all working and checked it. And sure enough, the solar panel's putting out 17 watts. Power's going into the batteries. This is a wonderful deal. And there were two ice cube trays. And I filled them up with bottled water. We had bottled water there. Put them in the freezer. And then I went back and had lunch and prayed. And we went to the crusade that night. And afterwards went back to the house uh, to have some juice before we go to bed. And and um too much of a braggart and a show dog. So, of course, I grab the ice, and I now have 24 ice cubes. So I go around to the missionaries and their children. Everybody got two ice cubes. You know, big deal, two ice cubes for you and two for you and two for you. And Aren't I wonderful? And um, this has gone on. It's very good. And there was a lady there, Dr. Paula, and Dr. Paula starts crying. And kind of, you know, I'm not tears. I mean weeping. And this is freaking me out over some ice cubes. And I don't know, 10, 15 minutes go by. And Dr. Dan comes over and stands next to me. And I said, okay, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry I freaked this lady out. I sure didn't mean to. He says, she's not freaked out. She's happy. She does all the diabetic people. We haven't been able to have insulin. And people have been dying in her care. But now that we have a solar-powered refrigerator, we can have insulin. And many lives will be saved. And it's like me, really? I could do something in the mission field that could have impact and have lasting impact. You know, I still go down to that hospital. I still work there today. We still go back. Here at Central, people go a lot of places. We have a team going uh, to Honduras today. There are people here praying about going to Japan in full-time ministry. We have people uh, planning right now about going to back to Ghana, Africa. People are going all the time. But it's not just foreign. 
You know, when we say going, everybody gets afraid God's going to send me, uh, you know, to Antarctica. Well, He probably isn't, just so you know. You don't even speak penguin. I have no idea why He'd send you to Antarctica. But you can go here. You can go across the street. You can go next door. You can go to the Agape Resource Center. You can go to the Round Rock Area Serving Center. You can go because it takes everybody everywhere to build this one body. This one body that Paul talked about. I want to talk about a couple trips or two things we have coming up. One is we're going to try to put together another trip this summer to Romania. And what we'll do there is go to a beautiful camp in Kupalung in the Transylvanian Alps, believe it or not. And uh, Vio and Estera have five acres, a beautiful place to stay. It's very nice. We'll stay a uh, team there and we'll bring the handicapped children down from the Tanner's Orphanage in Nicaragua and bring them down. It's about a six, eight-hour drive and spend three nights and do our VBS with these handicapped kids. Not the ones who are mentally handicapped, but the ones who are physically handicapped that can still understand what they're being taught. And then I'll probably take the kids back to Kupalung, and the, I mean to Nicaragua, and the team will stay there at Vio and Asteras and start a second camp and outreach to gypsy children, the Roma people. And the Roma people are disenfranchised even in Romania. Often they're not allowed to attend school attend school because they don't necessarily have a permanent residence. And Vio and Estera bring them in. They build relationships by meeting with them. And they bring them into the camp and they begin to share the gospel with them. For many years, we've taken our VBS curricula over there after we've got done using it here. And then they use that for the summer camps. And then throughout the next year, they teach that in the first grade as English lessons in the Romanian public schools. It's very interesting because you couldn't have you couldn't have VBS taught in an American public school, but they sure do it in the Romanian public schools just to get the English. It's a neat, neat deal. So we'll probably do that if people are interested. Another thing I wanted to announce was uh, World Vision is having a 6K race. But um, it's also, you don't have to run, you can walk, because I don't run. If you see me running, you need to go, because there's something bad <laughs> coming. <laughs> there's something really bad coming. You need to go whichever. And all you got to do is outrun me, right? I know. I know the joke. The 6K represents the distance people walk every day to get clean water. Very cool. It's about a 6K walk to get clean water. The sad part is most of this is done by young girls because that becomes their chore. And uh, it can be dangerous, but it also takes them out of school. It takes them out of being educated, and that education is really the hope for the future. So the idea of the 6K is to begin to provide water in villages where these girls don't have to spend all day hauling water and they can begin to go to school. Because that's what's going to change their generation and the future generations, is by becoming educated, learning some skills, learning some work ethics and some work skills. 
and that will begin to have impact not just today but into the future. So the 6K is on May 18th. It will be out at Old Settlers Park. Unfortunately, it's a little bit expensive. It's $50 per person. So what the missions team here at Central has decided to do is, is do a two-for-one. You have to register, and I'll have – I didn't put that information out today because um, I'm very busy today. And so I'm going to put it out next week where I can stand there and explain it to you if you need it. Um, <clears throat> but if you'll register online, the, the T-shirt and all the stuff will come to your home. Once you've registered, Central will register someone for you, your wife, your spouse, your child, whatever you want to do. But that way it becomes a two-for-one, and it's only $25 a person, which isn't too bad. It's still kind of an expensive T-shirt, but, but it really is for a great cause. It really is to deliver water to people that need it. I'm going to put out one more verse, John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Some other translations say have it abundant. Where is this abundant life? Are you living it? So many of us in this society are going day-to-day work, home. Garage door goes up, we go in. Garage door goes down, garage door goes up, we go to work. Where is this abundant life? You know, I think it's in being obedient to God. I I really believe that. That we are to love God. And we are to love others. And we are to go. And again, the go doesn't have to be somewhere in the middle of Africa. The go can very well be across the street. Or it could be here locally. But we're all called. When Jesus said in Matthew, he said in 28, he said, go ye. And the Texas translation of that would be all y'all go. All y'all. Everyone. Everybody. And maybe that's not your whole life, but it's one thing. And there are so many people in this body that are doing so much locally and internationally. And maybe, maybe you'll be called to lead one of these midweek groups they're talking about. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that we're all supposed to do something because if we all do a little bit, we can change the world. We can present this body of Christ with Jesus as the head to the world where people would see it, where we can have impact, where we can bring change. And that's not going to happen without everybody because without all the pictures making up the mosaic, we just don't see it. It was hundreds of pictures of everybody that showed the emblem of the cross, that showed what Central looks like to y'all and to the community. It will take everyone, each and every one of us. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and I'm going to ask uh, prayer partners, elders, pastors, if you want to come up. In the men's group, we did a study this earlier this year called the 10-second rule. The Holy Spirit is touching you or leading you. You have about 10 seconds to reply or else you will blow it off. And when we started that study, I just didn't think that was right. But the more we got into it, it's kind of true. I will talk myself out of being sensitive to the Spirit. 
the more we respond, the more the Spirit will speak to us. And the more that we walk away from it, the less the Spirit will lead and speak to us. So if God's touched your heart today, I think you should probably take a minute, come pray with someone. If you need a, a hug, specific prayer need, make a commitment, whatever you need to do. Let me pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you.